Hello there, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Thanks, Morris. I am Marie, the SLP, and on today's episode, we are talking with my friend Liv, or Olivia, from Live Love Speech, if you know her on Instagram. She is in her clinical fellowship year, which if you don't know exactly what a CF year is, don't worry, we are going to tell you. We're going to talk all about how she's been acclimating to her clinical fellowship, how long she's been in her clinical fellowship, some of the challenges and the success stories that she has, and we'll compare stories too. I'll share a little bit about my fellowship as well. So here we go. I'm so excited to be here today. Yes, thank you for joining me. Um, We have a lot of fun things to share. Liv is in her clinical fellowship and in as far as speech pathology goes, in the United States, before we can fully be set free after grad school, we have our clinical fellowship year where we are still supervised, essentially. And so Liv started, Liv, how long ago did you start your CF now? I think it's just about been two months and I officially started right after Thanksgiving. So yeah, two months. Two months. Oh my gosh. So you're still like in the, you're just like, there's so much you're learning and you will always, like you'll be three years in and you'll be like, oh my gosh. Like, I still can't <laughs> believe I graduated grad school with all of these people DMing me, asking me questions. I'm like, how did I graduate last May during the beginning of this pandemic? And now I'm two months into my CF. What's going on? How is this happening? And it's just, it's all going by so quick. I can't even, I can't even believe it some days, but I know the CF journey is a huge, huge jump from grad school for sure. And some days I do miss grad school as crazy <laughs> as that, that sounds. How do you feel about that, Marie? Do you uh, oh. ever miss grad school? Oh yeah. Even now. Uh, actually not at this point in the year. Cause this point in the year for my, like your second year, you're like, uh, can we go back to the first year when I didn't have comprehensives coming up and the praxis and all these things, but I do, you know, I still will miss it. I think I miss, especially because I'm in the schools. I don't have, I have one SLP on site, you know, in a typical year, not this year, this year I'm all about myself, but you know, being in grad school, having I mean, a the library where we would all study or, you know, just like when you prep for clinics, somebody else is studying for an exam and you're just talking about all these things and having that support and getting to, you know, we were collaborating before we realized we were even collaborating. Um, and it's, you know, it was right. safe. School for me was always my safe place. Like if I could, I remember in grad school before graduating, I said, I'm so scared. I wish if I, if I had it my way back then, I would have just stayed in school as a career. Like I would have been a student. And the thing about being a speech therapist is like, you are still, I, always, I still feel like I'm a student. So it's kind of nice, but you don't know that when you're getting ready to graduate. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely remember being in, in your shoes, like two months in and, you know, and we'll talk a little bit more about me being a school-based SLP CF. Um, but I remember being like, oh my gosh, all these IEP meetings, I have to talk to all these parents. I want to go back. I want my clinical supervisor to do it for me. <laughs> right. But right. I know it's, it's so weird. It really is going from having so much supervision to me being like, wait, now you're trusting me to do all of this. Like I don't have anyone checking in on me. Like this is, this is me now. So I'm, I'm the speech therapist and these are my kids. Go ahead, treat yeah. them. And I'm, I, it's, it's huge. It's a huge learning curve. It was a huge jump, adjustment, everything. Yeah. And I think every day, because I commute, so my placement is about 45, 50 minutes from my house. So my commute in the morning is, you know, I love, I enjoy, I listen to your podcast. <laughs> I get to, you know, enjoy the sunrise. However, at night it is sometimes pretty draining and I kind of dread the drive home at night, but, um, I do like having that commute in the morning. So I think, you know, it's all so new, but, um, 
yeah, I don't, I don't know. Let's get into talking yeah. about what, what we're going to today. So let's first start with the application for CF process. I think those are the most questions I get on Instagram. Um, even now like DMS, like I'm getting ready for my CF. What do I do as far as applying? How do I find a supervisor? So let's talk a little bit about just like what it was for you. Like maybe when in grad school, did you start applying? Um, were you fully done? All that. (laughs) So yes, I did not apply anywhere until after graduation. So the pandemic happened in March last year. I graduated in May. So I was super focused on finishing my comps, getting my praxis over with because I had my praxis scheduled and it was canceled two or three times and rescheduled. So that was like a nightmare trying to do all of that and very stressful because I wanted to get it over with. So um, I, en- I didn't end up taking my praxis until July, even though I had it scheduled for April. So it was like this back and forth, getting L's, getting, oh, the test center's closed. You can do it later. And I just had all this anxiety and I was super focused on getting my comps done in grad school, adjusting to online learning for grad school. So I did not apply for CFs until after graduation. So I graduated the end of May and I think I sent out my first application to this early intervention company. I was super, super set on working for because I had shadowed an SLP and went to the into the homes and saw like five of her patients with her. They were all so, so cute and all so different. Like I met an OT and she was doing vision with this little boy who had um, been been treated for like blindness and low vision. And the SLP was also like co-treating with her. And I was like, this is great. Like I want to do EI. This is the place for me. And the pandemic happened and they weren't accepting new applicants. So I sent out my first application to that company me and back to me and said, hey, we're not accepting you know, CFs right now, our referrals are low. So I was like, that was just a huge hit to, you know, my confidence. And that just really wasn't the greatest thing I wanted to hear. So I applied to that place, waited and applied to a few more over the summer. And I kind of gave myself a break. So I don't recommend this, but it's what I needed. So I took the summer kind of off and just enjoyed time with my family. And then I got back into applying around August. So I took a break, didn't worry about it because so many places were not hiring and virtual. So my best advice is for the new grads, apply, apply, apply. If you're ready to go into the field, go into the field, send out your applica- applications. I, that is my biggest advice is to do that because if you don't need a break, don't take one. But if you do, you need to do what's best for you. And if that's taking that break after grad school to kind of just decompress from everything you just had been through, then that's what I recommend. But if you're ready and you want that advice, don't wait. I kind of wish I applied sooner, but at the same time, I'm glad I didn't because the perfect position came my way. So it's like the universe just worked in my favor. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I love that. I think, I think the, the lesson there is you trust yourself. I mean, you don't, you know, you know what you needed and it worked out for you, you know, and I'll, I'll share um, my experience too. And in my experience, I knew what I needed and it worked for me. Um, but did I question if it was right? Yeah. Do I still question if it was right? Heck yeah. Because that's, I'm human and you know, but at the same time, like we, and you and I talk about this all the time and I know we'll get into this later, but we find the reasons why it it was, it worked, right? We have these sessions and we, and you and I, in our case, text each other, (laughs) like, you know, oh my gosh. But (laughs) it's just, it, because we, we remind ourselves, okay, yeah, I can question this. It's okay. I'm human. And it maybe in a couple of years is something else going to come along and I'm going to change my mind and go that direction. 
maybe possibly, you know, I'm kind of feeling like I'm starting to, I didn't realize I was feeling this way, but yeah, I'm starting to feel like maybe I want to change. Maybe I'm ready. Like, um, and that's okay. And so for me, it was completely the opposite of for you. I was in grad school. I had it. I hadn't even done my comprehensive exams. I was about a month after taking my praxis, two months after, and I interviewed and got hired in a school district. Um, and there are pros and cons to how it happened for me because it wasn't until after I got hired by a school district that I learned about contract companies and, and learned that they would bid for me and, you know, but I was already hired. I already signed a contract and I felt safe. I felt very safe that I'd done that, that I didn't have to worry about it. But now I look back, I'm like, I could probably make a little more money. You know, and so, or if I'd gone the private practice route or EI, I didn't yeah. even know. I mean, I'll be honest. I didn't know about like home health companies. They, I, I don't know where I missed that lesson, but I, I think I was so tunnel visioned. Like I want to work in the schools and that's it because that's where I felt comfortable. I'm so grateful that my school district has our preschool program because it, that's what's pushed me as like a clinician joining that program, working with kids with all different, you know, from all different um, backgrounds and severity levels, having more of the collaboration model with OTs right. and PTs. But I didn't know. I didn't really know it was out there. And I signed my contract into my CF, had my supervisor from my school internship kind of just take me on as her CF after oh. being, being my intern supervisor. Because she knew I, you know, she's like, well, you've worked with me. I know how you okay. work. I know, I know you can do it, even though I was like, no, I can't, <laughs> you know, okay. Um, so it was all very safe. Yeah. I, I won't say by the time I started my CF, I was afraid, honestly, I would be kind of coddled because I, I knew my supervisor already and, and she, you know, knew my strengths and weaknesses, but she like kind of was just like, nope, here you go. Like I'll come visit. Cause she was at a different school site and she was like, I'll come once a month, you know, to, to an IEP, which she did once. I shouldn't admit that, but she like, but then she also, you know, then they come every so often to get your hours of supervision and stuff, but it was kind of like, here you go. And I was split between two school sites in my CA. Yeah. Fly. Being split between two sites was difficult, especially in a school district, because then I have kids I'm case manager for, but I'm also on it. It was just, it was tough with scheduling. It was tough with scheduling IEPs. So I think that's where like the real shift, like mentality shift for me had to come in as far as relaxing um, in my CF. Like it's thing, it's just going to work out because I felt pulled in so many different directions not that I wish, I don't talk, I love my school district. I'm so grateful for them. But every place you work, anywhere you go, has the things that you wish would be better. Like it, if I were, if I ran the world, this is how I would do it. And in my school district, you know, as a CF, there were no, besides having my supervisor, there was no handbook. Like I didn't know how to, I only knew because I worked, I was an intern. I knew how to do our like IEP system because my my supervisor taught me. So I knew how to like fill out paperwork, but there was still no, like, where do I find these resources? Who do I contact for this in the district? What do I like? I, there's no good training for, for SLPs, I guess, in my district, which, unless you, unless you're kind of grandfathered in through interning, but that doesn't always happen. You might get hired at a district you've never worked in. And so, Yeah. So that was like my application process. It was like, I was very fortunate, but I didn't know when I didn't learn enough beforehand to really make good decisions for myself until after the fact. Right. So you didn't, you didn't, you got into it and then you found out more after the fact. And I think that is tough, but I also think, you know, it pushed you to grow in a different way, which is really great. And I think, you know, with my application process, and me knowing that I needed that break after grad school and trying to figure everything out during the like peak of the pandemic and taking my praxis in July and just mentally preparing for that. So I'm going to go and, you know, let everyone know. So I took my praxis in July. I had prepared for it, 
studied, felt great, but I did not want to take it online in my home. And I know a lot of people have done that. However, I felt differently and did not want to do that because I was just, I had more test anxiety about being in my home and not going to the test center and having my, you know, little cubby and my noise canceling headphones. Like for me, I like that. And that like works for me. So I found a test center in Baltimore in July, scheduled it, went there. My mom drove with me because I didn't want to go alone and, you know, not know where I'm going. So she drove with me and that was like the best thing for me. Went in, wore my mask. I practiced taking my tests with my mask. It worked out great. And then in August, I emailed Well, first I was talking to someone I went to Bloomsburg University with undergrad and she was back in my hometown and she's an audiologist. So she was telling me she was working at this clinic where I am now as an audiologist. And she said, you know, hey, there might be an SLP leaving our clinic. You should just take a chance and apply. This is what it's called. Send out an email. And I said, all right hey, it's worth a shot. So I went on their website. There was absolutely no job posting, nothing. So I just went off of what my friend said. She said, hey, winging it, you know, I work here. There might be something. It's worth a try. So I sent out an email to the director and a little over a month, we were going back and forth and we set up a phone interview around September. end of September, beginning of October. And she said she was interested in meeting me and talking to me, which I was above and beyond like kicking and screaming so excited because someone was interested in me in a setting that I could potentially work in. So I had my over the phone interview with HR and the SLP director, my supervisor now, And they, right after that informal phone interview, they asked me for an in-person interview, which was awesome. So we scheduled that. I went, I interviewed toward the facility after being there for four hours, four interviews later, they offered me the position. So that was just like an absolute dream experience, having that be my first in-person interview as a CF at this beautiful facility. Um, It's a federally qualified medical center. So we're connected to an urgent care and there's um, like infectious diseases, behavioral health. It's like a college campus of like medical practices where I'm at. So um, it's, it's really interesting. And I, I really like that there's so many different places our patients can go to if they have other needs, like if they need, you know, psychiatry or they need family health or children's dentistry. Like there's so many different places our patients can go to in our, um, like under our umbrella. So I got offered the job and went out to my car and cried happy tears. And I just couldn't even believe what was happening. It was just so worth being patient and the right thing comes your way at the time you might not know it no you're going through that process of waiting but it's really patient it's really patience that helps you find what is coming and you're just speaking to my soul over here i'm just like yeah yeah it makes you appreciate the things that you don't feel are that you don't know are coming like Right. Right. Yeah. And I will, you know, I mean, like, I'm honestly, I'm at a place in my life right now where I feel that way. Just not, I mean, not even with work, well, kind of with work, but just like, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I have life changes happening and, you know, I have to find a place to live in a couple months and things Mm -hmm. like that, where I don't know. And I've been in the last couple of weeks, kind of like building all this like up of like, I don't know, I don't know. And I'm kind of finally at this release of like, you know what, whatever. Like, I'm going to just sit and be patient, block out the noise and, mm-hmm. and kind of see what happens because it's, it's so true when you can do that and just trust things happen that you didn't even know you want it to happen. Um, and it's really, the, the universe is crazy and awesome and um, it all works. 
it does all work together and it works out. So yeah, I love that you're sharing. You might not know it. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think it's really important. You know, it's, it's really good to have all this like technical information of like, you know, when you interview or when you do the practice, like do maybe try these strategies and do all this and da da da. But it's also really, and maybe more practical to have that like, um, mental health side of it, that mindfulness side of like, be patient, you know, and give yourself time and, and listen to yourself. I mean, you know, it's, it's just, it's all really important. And, um, now you, you get to work. So you have, you still have that collaboration that you saw when you were shadowing, right. With like OTs and. So that the first experience I was talking about shadowing was with, uh, that early intervention, different company hiring. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, you know, they said, Hey, we're not hiring. We have decreased referrals. Check back with us in a few months. So I took the summer off because I was like, you know, I'm upset. I can't get a job. It's discouraging. I just spent all of this time in grad school. Now there's a pandemic. I graduated during the pandemic. Like, you know, (sighs) yay. Yeah. My graduation wasn't delayed. I got my degree. I'm thankful, grateful. You know, I got that. I graduated virtually. My parents, my mom hung congratulations, Olivia. We're so proud of you. She got balloons, like my, my family. And then Josh came for my graduation, my boyfriend, and it was my family, my sister, my boyfriend, my sister was home from college. And it was just the best being here present at home, even though it was virtual, it happened. Yeah. And then I took the summer off, um, and got back to applying. And the place that I'm at now, we have, uh, two audiologists and nine SLPs, including me. Crazy. So many of us, but it is so amazing being somewhere where I can walk down the hallway, knock and say, Hey, can I ask you a question? Because everyone's having sessions at different times, but I feel like there's only been a handful of times where I can't find anyone. <laughs> Most days I can ask someone something and being a staff, that is so beneficial. Even though I try to figure things out and problem solve myself, if there's something I, I have a question about regarding our EHR or documenting, I get up out of my seat, walk down the hallway and ask someone and they can answer my questions. So I think you figuring out if you want to have supervision and be in an environment that has support and people at your site, you need to look for that and ask for that specifically because some supervisors, like you said, check in here and there, and some aren't even at the site nearby. They might be an hour, two hours at a different site and you have to just call them and hope they answer. Yeah. So I think for me, having someone at my practice is really beneficial and helpful during this learning curve. And most importantly, it's really helpful because my supervisor's part-time. So she's not even there when I need to ask questions because she works like half days and I'm there full-time. So (laughs) I had a really hard time adjusting my first month, figuring out, oh, you're part-time? Like, what about me? (laughs) You're my supervisor. What's going on? Yeah. Um, So I think that was a huge curveball thrown at me, and I had to figure out, how am I going to go about this? She's not here. How can I find someone to answer my questions? not be a nag, but advocate for myself. Do you know what I'm saying? Yep. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and it's funny that you say nag, because I had to, I had to get out of that mindset too, as a CF. And it's like, you're, you're never a nag. Questions are good. Um, They help us learn. And, but I, but I know the feeling like you're like, I don't want to be bugging you all the time. But at the same time, it's like, you're a CF. Yeah. It's just like, it builds up, but you're a CF. You have questions. We need to know these things. Like how else are we supposed to learn? I remember I had in my medical 
internship, I felt like a horrible nag asking questions all the time. And, and I think because it's so different than the schools, like it's so fast paced in, you know, in, in the rehab facility I was working at anyways, like it was just like, you don't stop. And so taking time to stop and ask questions was really hard for me to do. It wasn't until after that internship, I realized the importance of doing it. Um, and yeah, I look back on that and I'm like, oh, Marie, you should ask more questions and just gotten over that feeling. It's like a guilt complex. <laughs> like you just, you just it can't. Is. And it's this sense of uncertainty because you're still developing your clinical skills. So you want to ask questions, but you don't want to be a nag. But at the same time, you don't have that wealth of experience to go off of, to just kind of wing it and try. Right. I've learned to do that because, you know, trying your best sometimes is all you can do because you were trained to do this. You went through school, you graduated. Now you're here. Now, you know, this, they hired you for a reason. They wouldn't have if they didn't think you had what it takes. Yeah. So, you know, I think reminding yourself of that and, you know, advocating for yourself and asking those questions and not being afraid to. So mm. I've learned, you know, write them down and wait until later if yeah. I, if no one's available at the time. And exactly. I, I do that. So yeah, I've I found, used to, you know, no, that's, and that's exactly kind of what I learned to do too, with my supervisor being at a different site and I couldn't always call her like, because she would be in sessions or whatever. I littered my, my desk with post-its. It was like questions for my supervisor, you know, okay. Like ask her this, ask her this. And I mean, <laughs> you've got to. <laughs> That was <laughs> oh, it's oh, and it doesn't stop the desk. The desk disasters, at least for me, eh, I can't like at the end of the day because well, right now because I work from home. This is such a tangent, but because I'm working from home, by the end of the day, like my desk is a disaster, but I have to clean it because it's in my house. But at work, like if I leave with my desk a disaster, I don't care. It's so interesting. Um, mm -hmm. oh, but. You know, now that every once in a while I'll go into my office and it's just like, this is why I'm not coming back because it's a disaster and I don't want to clean it. But it's just, there's so much to do sometimes. And, yeah. you know, you have, I, know. I don't know, I always have like test manuals on one corner, toys in drawers and on top of my desk, like, because they're things like tra transition objects. I don't know. I should do a, I should do a whole story, mm -hmm. Instagram story one day of like, things in Marie's desk because it's interesting. Um, yeah. Let's take a little tour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, and you kind of touched now on that. that you, sorry, it, it glitched. I was like, now that you talk about post-its, I have a funny um, story about post-its. It's not really a story. It's just something that I do so I don't forget because I'm terrified I'll forget things and don't want, um, like people coming and knocking on my door. Oh, you forgot this. Like I, I want to be, you know, on my, you know, game as best as I can. So before I leave, I'll write things on post-its and stick them on the screen to my desktop at my desk in my office. Like I will stick them straight on the front screen. So I see it before I log in because around the screen, I, I, those are like less of less importance. The ones that are of the most important stickies go on the screen on my login name. So I see that in the morning and I can't forget. So yep. it's, it's what works. So I don't forget, but I thought that was funny that you said that too, because yep. I don't, I don't know how many other people do that, but it, it works for me. <laughs> uh, that's, it's just funny. Cause that's what I did too. I mean, and I'll still, I still do that. I don't do it right now. Cause I work at home right now. What happens I have a really pretty white desk at home, you know, our office, my roommate and I, it's so aesthetically pleasing. Um, but I have these bright blue post-its that I litter my desk with because I don't want to see bright blue post-its on my desk in my nice office. So they need to get taken care of so I can see my white right, desk. Right. Um, but yeah, at work, it's totally on the screen because then it bugs me because then, you know, I go to log in and I can't see. <laughs> so I do my post-it note and then I can log in. <laughs> um, yeah, those are good. I mean, and it's like, 
fee, little nugget, little strategy in there for people, like invest in post-it notes. They'll go a long way. Yes. Make lists, make reminders. Don't always rely on putting it in your phone because I oh. make reminders in my phone, but I think having those reminders in your phone takes you off of the focus of the reminder because when I'm at work, I go and then I'll go on, on Instagram and then I'll check, you know, my notifications and DMs. And then I'm like, what was the reminder? So I think post-its work. That's the way to go. And, you know, not yep. to get off on that. You know, no, I know. I could, I'm all, I could, I could go <laughs> so far here, but I won't. But I, same thing. Reminders in my phone don't work unless it's like an alarm that I can't turn off, but you can turn it off. So it doesn't work for me. Um, But I want to get into talking about, because this is my favorite part, um, about celebrations and challenges, because let's be real, there are challenges. And we've we've talked about them already a little bit, but since you're so fresh in it, I'm going to have you go first, because my CF, it's like flipping through files to get to all this information. Um, But what, let's start with celebrations, because that's always the best way to do it. Um, what is, what are some of the the things you're celebrating right now as far as how your CF is going? I think what I'm celebrating the most and wanting to share is those experiences and sessions that you have throughout the week that remind you of your why, which is also something I know we're going to talk about, but these celebrations happen you know, at the most random moments throughout my week, either after a client cancels or no shows. And I just think to myself, wow, like that was just amazing. And sometimes I cry because it's like, that was just, my client was just a rock star. Like he just rocked all of that. So blown away that I have to share. I have to text you know, my mom or boyfriend and tell them because this was just amazing. So for example, I have this client virtually, this just happened this past week. She's, I think around eight, eight or so years old. She has an autism diagnosis and she's virtual. However, I do think her coming in person would be more beneficial. However, her mom is not the most flexible parent. So she is seen virtually and I have been struggling with her having so many internal and external distractions and kind of focusing the screen and kind of, hey, like, look at me, like, let's do some boom cards. And so I found a boom deck that she was super engaged in and she just like did so, so amazing this past Wednesday. I, I was so amazed and surprised. She thought it was funny that the monster was eating the verbs. She thought it was so funny. She was dragging them to his mouth so quick and was talking so much, answering my questions. And I think that to me showed me she is capable. She can do it. It's going to be a great session here, a not so you know productive one there. But I think having that mindset and mentality and not hoping every session is going to be a perfect session because they're not all perfect sessions. And you're going to have one where your kid doesn't really cooperate at all. And you hope for 10 good minutes of them, you know, like giving you data for your goals that you have for them. So I think me having those moments that just pop out here and there and my little cute four-year-old that I talked to you about how I played puppets with him and he just loved it. I remember the first session I did the puppets and he sat at the table with me and was so interested in feeding Mr. Bear the pretend food and I was like the best like and then I started spitting the food out on the floor and he just started talking and using pronouns and verbs. And I just was like mind blown. I was like, whoa, that was the best. And that's one of the sessions that I talked to you about. So I yeah. think those are celebrations that I've had 
bad for myself and then also taking over a caseload. I, so I didn't talk about how my clients oh, yeah. are from another SLP of my practices caseload. So they're not my own. So to everybody listening, I came into my job right as an SLP was going on maternity leave. So um, fun fact, she's social thinking, like certified. She got the social thinking training. So most of her kids on her caseload are social thinking, which is something else we'll talk about. But these clients that I've had are all hers. So they had to, they, they had to transition to getting a new therapist and also me adjust to being new treating them and this whole being a whole new learning curve for me. So I think that was definitely a challenge. However, the celebrations that I'm having now are parents complimenting me and saying, Hey, are we keeping you? Like we like you. And that to me is like such a huge compliment, but at the same time, I don't know the answer (laughs) because she also needs her caseload back. So I think, you know, I, I might keep a few, which is, you know, I've asked at my clinic, I said, Hey, like, you know, is it possible I might keep, you know, two or three or maybe four. And they said, you know, it's really up to the client. And, you know, when she gets back from maternity leave, if she's going to be seen in person or virtual, because the time might work better for me or it might work better for her. So hearing that from parents is very validating and because, I, some days I don't feel like I have a clue what I'm doing. So hearing a parent say, Hey, Miss Liv, like we appreciate your energy. You're just awesome. And I'm like, Whoa, like that is just what I needed to hear. So thank you. So those are my little celebrations and positive experiences that I like, you know, wanted to share. Yeah. I love that. And as you were talking, I was like, it made me think about so many moments just this year that I've had with my kids that I could share because the thing is like my CF was, it was so long ago. It's also a different, it just feel it life before COVID now feels so different, you know? And I've, I've seen a lot of, or I've heard a lot of SLPs say this that are seasoned um, even 10 years down or, you know, more years. I'm four years. I haven't, I didn't say that on the podcast yet, but I'm four years after my CF now. And this whole virtual learning thing, like, for about a month felt like I was back in grad school. And then for the last like three months or four months now, however many months has felt like I'm in my own CF. I mean, you're just, you're kind of back to that. Like Like, you were talking about earlier, you're back to that point of like, well, I'm going to try my best. (laughs) And that's how I feel like some days. Um, yeah, it just like, like, whatever happens happens today. And I don't know what I'm doing. And parents are totally watching everything now and like all this stuff. So it's just, uh, it's been fun, but yeah. it's also been, you know, I remember back in uh, October, I just, I like end of October. So I'd been doing virtual therapy for like two months and I just felt like I'm failing these kids. Like, I don't, what, how do I do this? How do I elicit a K and a G? How do I get this joint attention? Like, how do I do this parent training stuff? It's just all very, so much to do, learn and do virtually. Um, but I think about like all of the, all the moments, like my kids are just cracking up laughing on screen, you know, when I'm doing these, pretend to get my arm eaten by a dinosaur, which sounds really dark, but the kids seem to love it. All my, especially my little boys that just don't want to sit still. I'm like, oh no, look, a dinosaur got my arm, you know? And they're like, and then all of a sudden all the language comes out. No, Miss Ann, take it out, take it out, you know? Um, so just it's yeah it's awesome and uh I guess one of my biggest celebrations I have this little guy who so because some of my kids I've seen in person you know in last school year um I started their preschool career with them in person typically but then a big chunk of my kids are um new little three-year-olds that Kate this is how they're starting preschool virtually this is how they're starting speech virtually Like they don't, they don't know the world that I know with some of my other kids. We don't have the same connections. And I have a handful of them, you know, where I'm like, how do I start with them? How do I build this? Cause I'm 
my take on speech therapy is very much you start, you build a trust, trusting connection with these kids. And when we started, yeah. And like, and I think that, you know, that's what makes, I mean, we could even talk about that's what makes speech therapists successful in my opinion is when you set out to build those meaningful connections first that's why you have you know so many people to look to at your clinic because that's what we do we help and we support right um and I have this I have a handful of kids but I had this one little guy who he started right away in August baby little sweet sweet little baby and um he wasn't I mean he wasn't even putting words together. Like he, he had maybe, he had more gestures than words. Um, he was starting to imitate, but like, it was very inconsistent. And we had an IEP meeting right away where I got to know mom really well, just based off of hearing her concerns and everything. And she just, she was such a concerned mama. She was so concerned about this virtual stuff and him actually being able to access strategies and, and learn. Um, and about two months in to the school year, he kind of, his attendance started to dip a little bit because they were having a hard time getting him to sit and attend in front of the computer and mom was getting worried. And then I found out his private practice okay. speech therapist um, went on maternity leave and that was affecting him because he was really attached to her. And that and that's something we don't you know a school based speech therapist we don't always know what's going on outside we don't know what changes are being made with service providers and that consistency in early intervention is so so key so when you because right. when you do build those trusting relationships the kids get attached it's normal it's human and so i found out because i'm doing virtual you know mom told me right away so i knew what was going on and so i made it kind of more of a point to like as much as i could in our sessions like build this this just really trusted, you know, connection versus like putting all these demands on him to imitate me. Rather, I would just sing songs the whole time and make him laugh, you know? And um, so now that that was like two months ago, just last week uh, on a day that was not his speech day, his mom messaged me on our little messaging system, our classroom messenger. And she was like, I just want you to know my son is pointing to the computer and yelling Miss M at the computer because he wants speech. And she, and then she's like, he's been doing this every day for like the last couple of weeks. And I was like, you're kidding me. Like, like he, like he's putting, he's basically like telling you what he wants verbally. He's pointing to the computer and he wants to come to speech. I mean, that's amazing. And, you know, and another thing too about him is like now when we go to end the sessions, he just starts saying no, and he doesn't want to end. And to me, I'm just like, that's like the best compliment you could give me like for one of my littles to protest ending speech. Um, because I was questioning if I could even make this connection with my new kids that this is how I'm meeting them virtually. Like, so for me to realize like, Oh my gosh, like, yes, right. we can build these connections, whether we start off virtually, you know, cause man, I, now I'm just like, can we go to in-person? Cause can you imagine the reunion? <laughs> like like yeah. the in-person Seriously, meetings? That would be amazing. Oh, I, you know, I wish I could film it. Um, but that has just been such a huge win. And I've had, you know, I've had, every time a parent thanks me, I had a parent before winter break comment on my passion. <laughs> And I was like, wow, you can see that. Like, I am so passionate about these kids and, you know, their success. Um, so I think that those things have been very rewarding and just keeping me grounded because it's been challenging the last like six months or so for like, I mean, really since almost the last year. But when I think about the this school year, like this is where it has felt the hardest for me. Um, because I feel like I'm back into this huge learning curve. So those would be my big celebrations. It's, it's such a huge learning curve. And, um, I didn't talk about how teletherapy was for me in the beginning. Um, so can I share share that really, really quick? Absolutely. So I honestly thought, more of my clients would be in person because, you know, we're a clinic and, you know, 
We do see a lot of kids in person. However, they were trying to limit it. Mm -hmm. Like, unless, you know, they had a medical concern that, you know, they should be virtual or, you know, they were medically fragile. But the SLP that's on maternity leave, she was seeing all of her clients virtually. So for me to take over all of those, I was like, am I going to have any in person? Thankfully, my two four-year-olds do come in person and it's so beneficial for them because as you know, as a pre-K SLP, some of your kids just, if you could opt for them to be in person, you would know who you would call in and say, friend, in person, let's do speed. And so I think me having the ability to have those two four-year-olds, which are the youngest kids that I have right now, in person play is so fun and way better in person than virtual for them. So the rest of my clients are virtual. And, um, I, the first day I had clients virtually, I didn't know how to use the platform. So my clients in an hour and I said to the SLP next door, I said, Hey, like, how do you pull up a game? How do you, um, use the whiteboard and all of this stuff. And she goes, no one went over it with you. I go, no, uh, I, I just observed sessions, you know, but it's different leading the session, but I guess, you know, it's my fault for, you know, not, not, you know, asking questions enough or I just, I kept that in my own mind, but I said, you know, can you teach me now? So I had, you know, a free 10 minutes with her and she gave me a little crash course, but it was really tough. And I was like, wow, that was a crap show. Like that was just that, what, what just happened? So, you know, I focused my first few sessions on, you know, building rapport and kind of chatting with the kids. Like I did, you know, ask them about their goals and stuff, the older ones, but I was so confused with teletherapy because I didn't get trained on it and I didn't know how to use our platform. So that was very frustrating, overwhelming and confusing the day I had my first virtual clients. I was like, whoa, because I did fine the day before with the ones in person. But then I didn't think, okay, your kids are virtual the rest of the week. You need to ask someone like, hey, train me for 20 minutes on the platform. But I've, I've gotten the hang of it, but still like, I was like, whoa, what's going on? Yeah, no, that's, and that's a challenge. I mean, I know we, we were going to talk about challenges and that's like a huge challenge, but you, you, I mean, it worked, it worked out. And sometimes you don't know, like, and that's something I think I want people to know. Sometimes you don't know what questions to ask until you're like, it's past due. And that's, that's normal. Like I've been there too. I've been in, I've literally been in IEP meetings like, wait, what do I do now? Like looking at my admin, like who goes next? Who talks? Um, in front of parents. And, yeah. and I know like, you know, a lot of people say fake it till you make it or whatever, but I'm very much, the, I'm the person in the meetings where I just kind of say what's on my mind or I say, you know, because I'm like, we're all real here, right? Like people don't have it down all the time, right? Like, right you know, I'm not perfect. Um, and, and you just, you don't know until after, after you need to know and that's okay. Cause then you figure it out. And, you know, I've been, I'm still in session sometimes with the technology where I'm like, sorry, mom, like I'm finding this, you know, I don't know how to share my screen all the time. It happens. Like, (laughs) so you just one moment. Yeah, exactly. Like, Thanks for your patience. I feel like yeah, an automated so recording so sometimes. So another challenge besides teletherapy and not knowing until you know, because sometimes you don't know questions to ask beforehand. So I think navigating that was really, you know, a huge learning curve. And then our documenting was really overwhelming. And I was, you know, kind of going crazy in the beginning with the EHR Mm-hmm. documenting and all of the steps. So I had someone go through it with me and watching them, it went, it was like, I'd never even seen, 
like saw it before or went through the steps before. So I had another SLP come in my room, sit beside me, go through the steps while I took notes on it. And I printed it out, bulleted it, numbered <laughs> And that, that's what's by my desk on how to complete a treatment note. Cause there are so many parts to click so many boxes to fill in. Cause it's, we're, we're a medical practice. So like it's, you know, we've got all of these different parts that you have to fill in and I didn't want to keep asking questions. So I think another challenge for me was EHR as well as teletherapy and then also adjusting to having someone else's caseload because I constantly felt like I was being compared in the beginning. Like they just had this therapist. Now they have to switch to me. So, you know, they could be happy about having, you know, a little switch up to, you know, therapy, or they could be kind of bothered by it because their kid was making progress with her and now they have me to kind of it be this slow transition because I don't know if a kid's making progress with her like I I now see their goals and I'm like all right well now we start from our first day together so I think that was really a huge learning curve for me as well and and another challenge but I feel great with documenting now. I mean, I'm still slow, but it'll take time. And I think the most challenging client I've had, I've wrote about it on my story on Instagram. Um, she's a 15 year old social thinking mm-hmm. client and she is tough. She mm-hmm. is non-compliant, reluctant to put her camera on and audio on and last week or not not last week our first session and our like third or fourth session weren't so great but last week we had the best session ever and i was so like blown away by it because the session went by so fast i felt like i was talking to one of my friends she had a comfortable physical presence around me she wasn't defensive she wasn't saying, oh, I don't care what you have to say. Like, oh, hey, how are you? Why would I tell you? I'm like, okay, you know, never mind. Sorry for asking, you know, what do I know? Um, and I just kind of, you know, play it off as, you know, all right, well, what are we going to do today? And she loved the YouTube commercials that we did and was so cooperative with me that I appreciated having her on my caseload so much because I've learned so much from having that teenager in itself because I've never had a kid. I've never treated a kid older than fourth grade until I got to where I'm at now. So. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's, and see, and like, I think that just speaks to almost again, it goes back to our whole patience thing. Like you just, you were very patient. You know, you, you didn't let yourself, I mean, it's frustrating. I've, you're, you're frustrated, but at the same time, you, you just, and we're going to talk about this now is like, you kind of have these, the why, right. To reflect on while you're kind of waiting it out and building relationships, especially with a 15, 15 year old. I can't imagine. I've never been in that. I worked with high school aged kids long, long time ago, but I've never come into the situation of re like building a new connection with a 15 year old. I have the little babies that, you know, they're constantly looking for where they can feel safe. And so it's probably, I mean, I mean, I don't know how, sometimes it's hard, difficult with certain kids, but it's probably a lot easier when you're working with those kinds of goals as social thinking goals, um, to build relationships with the little ones because just get out all the fun toys and see what they like versus a 15 year old who maybe has her mind made up about people. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, always important to what we'll talk about next is go into your, you know, think about your why. And you and I talk a lot about like how we remember that. And I know I posted about on Instagram the other day, people might know I like to journal 
And so my, the, re, the way I remember my why is I write things down <laughs> as they happen. You know, um, I have a post-it note right here with something my, one of my little kids said the other day, you know, where I'm like, oh my gosh, you put three words together. And um, I wrote it down. And even if it's on a post-it note or, you know, sometimes I have, I always have like a pad of paper somewhere near me. That's not the data sheets. So I always have a notebook or something too. Um, that's me. That's just how my brain is. So Liv, how do you remember your why? I remember my why when I have those fulfilling sessions throughout my week where, like you said, a kiddo says something to you that just like, I love you. Like my kid said, you know, I love you last week. And he was the last kid I have on Friday night it's like 5.40 and I'm getting ready to do my documenting before I leave. He said that to me and I said, wow, like that, that means so much to me. And I was like, you're great. I look forward to seeing you every week. And he loved that. And I got the biggest smile from him. And he said that to me last Friday and I like wanted to cry. I was like, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, like this kid like said this to me and he actually enjoys seeing me. And his dad, after the fact, told me that he said he was excited to get on, you know, our, our platform to see me. And he doesn't normally ever get excited for that. So that meant a lot to me and showed, you know, I'm impacting him as a new SLP. And I think me having those little blips of, you know, those little reminders here and there surface when I am having, you know, a tough or difficult session here and there. I remember my why through those moments. And I also have positive affirmations mm -hmm. from Rachel, speech yes. with Rach on yes. my desk. And um, just little stickies on my desk that are just, you know, you're an amazing SLP. Like you're the expert, believe in yourself. You know, you made a difference today. So I, that's, I think my favorite one that I have on a post-it on my desk because no matter whether or not you felt you made a difference, you did because you saw kids and you treated kids and that session, like you, you gave them more than, than some other people could have right. that day, even right. though you might not have felt that. So I think that's how I, that's how I remember. I think that's so great. And you also have a good, like, inner voice, you know, when those things happen, when your client says, I love you or something, you've got that like inner voice that says, remember this, <laughs> you know, and that's, I mean, it's really important to have mm -hmm. that, that awareness of those little moments because they come, I think, you know, I know for me, those moments happen more often than I even am paying attention to. I, you know, if I really sit down and think about my day yesterday yeah. with all my kids, like in every session, there's a moment even if, you know, I had a little guy who pretty much tried the whole session, but we had a glimmer of like him looking at me, you know, or really excited about my background. And so, um, it's really awesome to have that, that voice turned on. That's like, remember this, don't forget it. Cause you know, the challenging times come and that's, you know, then you have this to look back on, um, which is super helpful. It's really helpful. Um, we are nearing our end here. I know we both have, we both have appointments after this. And okay. So I want to make sure that we're, <laughs> we get it all and we're almost done here, but I did want to, um, you know, now that you've gone through a couple months of your CF and you know, you're, um, enjoying it and I love that. And you've also faced challenges and you are talking about them and sharing them. I think it's so important for people to understand you're going to be challenged and it won't stop. Um, <laughs> but what are three things that you would tell, <laughs> that we would advise grads, I guess, when they're applying for their clinical fellowship? Like three main things. Okay. So three main things. I feel like I already mentioned maybe one in the beginning yeah. about applying. So don't wait unless your body or mental health is telling you to wait. So if you feel ready to go, don't wait. Apply ahead of time. Part of me wishes I would have applied sooner. However, I did what was best for me. And, you know, 
I'm grateful I waited because patience worked. So apply, even if they don't specify a CF position, you know, apply to that place that, you know, has an SLP opportunity, job opportunity on the website, even if it doesn't say CF, demonstrate your interest and, you know, throw the net out and see what comes back. Look everywhere. Don't narrow it down to only where you can see yourself. Sometimes it's better to apply to a place that you're kind of unsure about. And if you get an interview, great, see how it goes. So, you know, look everywhere, don't narrow it down. And then I think lastly, sell yourself, be confident. You have so many skills and you're proficient in what you do and you need to believe it. So experiences are limited, but they know that because you're a CF. That's what that means. You're bridging that gap from grad student to independent professional. So they're interested in you for a reason. Sell yourself and be confident because that definitely showed during my interview. And I think me walking in with confidence in myself and my experiences when I had my interviews was really the, you know, turning point for me feeling confident as an SLP going into this job. So those are my tips. I think don't wait, look everywhere and sell. So that's my advice. Yep. And, you know, and on that last point, because I really resonate with that. I mean, I resonate with all of them, but that last point, you know, I even during your CF, sell yourself, because I think so many times during my CF, I felt invalid because I was a CF. And sometimes the older, not old, not older by age, but teachers, staff members, other SLPs with more years on me, more years of experience. I'm not saying they directly made me feel like they didn't say things specifically to make me feel like I didn't have all the experience, but there is a, there is a culture of like, oh, you're new. Um, You don't know enough. That's like Mm -hmm. such BS. If I could just say that candidly, because, and my, one of my, one of my dearest friends who I actually work with now in the preschool setting, she has like 10 years of experience on me. She's a special education teacher and we're like really close friends. Um, but when I first started in preschool, I was in my second year. So my first year after my CF, so you could say like my first full, like fly free Marie year was now in this brand new preschool program that I had no idea. I'd be treating kids with like really severe impairments And I had her kind of, I was building a friendship with her, but she was very supportive of me. And I would go to her and say, you know, I, I feel like I'm doing a disservice to these kids because I'm so young and I'm so new. And she would say, who gave you that idea that you're too new for this? And I was like, well, I just feel like there's probably more experienced SLPs that should be working this job, you know, other SLPs wanted it and whatever. And she was like, you are probably the best person for this job because you have the best, like the freshest energy. You like, you just came out of grad school. Like you, like, you know, things that these SLPs don't know. And like, if you need help, like there are people to help you and that's okay. That's how you're going to learn. And so selling yourself and trusting like, Hey, I'm a CF, like, and kind of having that reverse confidence of like, I just got out of grad school. I just learned the most up-to-date research. I just, I just knocked out those comp exams or, you know, I just right. practice like, you know, yeah, you know more than you think you do, but like you're in a great position of fresh knowledge and energy that people want that employers really want. Like the other people at that, that site, they might let you know, they think differently, but it doesn't matter because you're going to service your kids or your clients the best way that you know how, and it's going to teach you how to be a better SLP in the end. So, you know, it's that whole, don't care what other people think, uh, saga that I could go on, but that, right. that sell yourself piece is really important. I definitely, definitely agree. And that's, I think the big thing, new CFs and new grads need to take into consideration when they're applying and interviewing. So don't forget to sell yourself and be confident. So, yes. Well, thanks so much, Liv. This was so fun. I'm going to put your Instagram handle in the notes so people can find you at live, love speech. Um, and yeah, 
thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Marie. I've loved, loved chatting with you and rambling and, you know, I think it's been really great. And I hope a lot of new grads and new CFs can take a lot from this and, you know, have it help them with their new journeys. Thank you so much for listening, friends. And Liv, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story and giving us so much valuable information and inspiration, whether we're in our clinical fellowship, undergrad, graduate school, or, you know, four, five, 10, 20 years into the job. So that was awesome. Friends, go find Liv at Live Love Speech. Her handle for Instagram is in the notes, as is mine, as is the website that you can nominate yourself or anybody else to come on the podcast if you want to reach out to me that way or, you know, on Instagram. Next week, in the spirit of clinical fellowship and undergrad and graduate students, next week I have a very special guest who is running a campaign right now on Instagram, which I am a part of with a handful of other amazing SLPs for the entire month of November. My friend Bianca from at B the SLP has put together a get to know your graduate campaign. Yes, that's what it's called. I don't know why I just second guessed the acronym, but we are talking all about how our own experiences were in grad school, applying for grad school to help undergrads make decisions that are really quickly coming right now, right? So be sure to find us at, throughout the month of February, adding our information, sharing videos, and all this great stuff about our individual programs. She will be on the podcast next week, so please, please stay tuned. I cannot wait for you to hear more about the campaign from the creator herself. All right, friends, have a really great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.